Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us as we head into the holiday weekend, and we hope it'll be a good one and a safe one for you. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it. Coming up on today's program, we will talk with the National Pork Producers Council as they make a push to address the ag labor shortage issue in this country. That's coming up, as well as a preview of Husker Harvest Days coming up in September in Grand Island, Nebraska. We'll preview the show and take a look at crop conditions through the state of Nebraska as well later on today's program. One news note to pass along. We'll be talking much more about this next week. USDA plans to review the use of language featured on meat labels that many have said do not adequately describe the product's origin. Secretary Vilsack saying he would conduct a top-to-bottom review of the product of the USA label to help the department determine what that label means to consumers, among other things. USDA plans to launch a rulemaking process after a study of the issue, during which Vilsack says the department will be considering all ideas suggested by the whole range of stakeholders, including our trading partners with whom we will engage to ensure that this labeling initiative is implemented in a way that fulfills our commitment to working cooperatively with our trade partners and meeting our international trade obligations. All right, we'll have much more on that coming up next week. But right now, let's start things off with an update on the uh, Kansas wheat harvest. Keeping us up to date is the CEO of Kansas Wheat, Justin Gilpin. Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, How far along are you now? Hey, good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. You know, it's been a it's been a kind of a struggle this week for Kansas wheat farmers uh, getting in the field and getting harvest kind of going. You know, we started off really good in June and got off to a really fast pace. As of as of Monday, the uh, NAS had uh, the Kansas wheat harvest at just over 40% complete. Uh, but with some of the challenges of getting in the field and farmers fighting some higher humidity and some crop not quite ready yet, I I would say we're probably somewhere just over half done right now as we're going into the weekend, Mike. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about your yield and uh, and quality? How's it going so far? How's it looking? Well, you know, I think the 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 overall theme is there's there's been some some pretty good yields. The protein's a little bit lower. Test weights have been pretty strong. But I think just this week, you know, just the the weather challenges of getting combines in the field and finding fields to harvest is probably probably what's been the biggest challenge especially out in western kansas you know we've had intermittent showers we've had cloud cover higher humidity and some areas had some rainfall of one to two inches that kind of kept farms out or farmers out of the field and and uh, some some of that wheat just just is too high a moisture and so farmers instead of just getting in a combine and rolling from field to field uh, they're really having to uh, kind of bounce around to try to find find a field that's ready to go and get it harvested. So that's that's been a little bit of a struggle, especially with uh, some of the yields that they have been seeing. You know, down in southwest Kansas, uh, 60 days ago, that crop was looking really stressed. So I think a lot of guys are really, really pleased with some of the yields that they have been able to see with them on the fields they have cut. We've seen 60 to 80 
bushel type yields with 60 to 62 pound test weights and uh out in southwest kansas as you move a little bit more over to central kansas those yields have probably been more more in the range of 40 to 60 bushels per acre uh with those above 60 pounds but with those rainfalls you know we are starting to see the the test weights start to trend trend a little bit lower and and of course, all the attention is uh, really a lot on that uh, the variability we're seeing in those proteins, Mike. You know that uh, you know the variability we're seeing ranges reported from anywhere from as low as the nines and tens on some of that hard red winter wheat protein, and uh, even in some areas up to around fourteen. Uh, but I think those guys that uh, have those higher proteins are certainly trying to. Uh, segregate that where they can because overall the average is probably closer to 11 to 1150 type protein what we're looking at so certainly seeing seeing some um, some value in those higher proteins especially with uh, some of the dire conditions that we're we're hearing uh, from the, some of the spring wheat areas and, and what protein availability might be uh, for for millers and exporters throughout this marketing here Mike. So rain making harvest challenge but it's hard to complain about rain, right? Yeah, that's when I talk to uh, some of our board members out west. You know, that's, they're pretty hesitant to ever complain about rain. And it's certainly making the fall crops look a lot better. Uh, it is. It has been welcome for that. And uh, like I was told yesterday, uh, they said, Justin, don't worry. It gets dry pretty quick out here. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, For sure. Uh, USDA this week came out and said all wheat planted acres estimated at 46.7 million acres, up 5% from last year. Your thoughts on those numbers? Would you agree? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I wasn't too surprising. I knew, uh, you know, some of the winter wheat acres were up uh, with where the prices were at for sure. Uh, certainly saw some of the, those acres up in soft red winter wheat. I think you know, when we talk about the uh, wheat acres, though, just like what we've seen in this in the southern corridor, uh, the, when we had the harvest really progressing uh, really fast, especially in south-central Kansas, southeast Kansas, the central part of Kansas, because we had had a little bit of moisture, combines got in the field and almost right behind some of those combines. Uh, soy, uh, we were seeing double cropping going on, the soybeans going in behind uh, behind that wheat going into that wheat stubble. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the final acreage pic- uh, picture shakes out. But, you know, when you think about in the southern plains, when you've got double cropping wheat uh, with a row crop behind wheat, uh, it, it, I start to look forward, okay, those are what those numbers were this week. That's where we're at. But you can kind of start to project where are things going to be because we'll be starting planting this fall for the winter wheat harvest. And all those acres that are getting double cropped, uh, that won't be able to be continuous wheat. So I think I think a lot of traders are, you know, they see those numbers, but they're also kind of one looking at the forecast and how that might impact things, but but also looking looking ahead about what what will it mean with some of those acres that have transitioned and will they be able to be back into wheat and what does that mean for wheat acres? And I think uh, a, a pretty strong consensus is that uh, wheat ac- we may see a dip in wheat acres coming this fall. And that's probably some, a story that people are going to start paying attention to. Finally, how's your weather forecast look? Well, it looks like it's going to be uh, uh, <laughs> kind of some chances for some more rain this, this weekend. And then starting next week, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we had this week, we had mostly highs that were in the 80s, which is really unseasonable for this late uh, late part of June but, and starting the first part of July. But we are going to see temperatures warm back up, so I think that's going to that's going to help wheat harvest get going. But we uh, we still will be dodging some some rain showers, 
uh, for the first part of next week. But uh, hopefully things will will get dried out and and, and get things and get things uh, going. Maybe the maybe the middle part of next week. But there'll be some wheat being cut on Fourth of July this week. All right, Justin. Thanks for the update. Have a good holiday. Mike, it's always good to be with you. Hope all you and your listeners have a safe and great holiday weekend. Celebrating Independence Day with friends and family. Be sure you eat lots of hamburger buns and hot dog buns, Mike. <laughs> we'll, we'll help use that wheat. All right. Thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. CEO yeah, of Kansas Wheat, Justin Gilpin. You bet. Take care. Up next, National Pork Producers Council. Um, really making a push here to address this issue on ag labor. We'll get the very latest next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. My name is William Yank. I'm a 23-year-old, three-time leukemia survivor. Leukemia Lymphoma Society was this unforeseen blessing for me because I wouldn't have been able to get CAR T cell therapy. Ways that I advocate for cancer is probably mostly through my podcast and my Instagram or TikTok. It's so vitally important that we have the Leukemia Lymphoma Society on our side. To give or get help, visit lls.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, president of the National Corn Growers Association, John Linder. How do you feel about how the Biden administration is dealing with the biofuels industry? Do you think they're fully supportive? Uh, and again, the statement we just heard from uh, Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters that the Biden administration is not a fan of liquid fuels. How do you feel about that? I'd say that perspective would disappoint me. I believe that they are listening to us and they want to find a path forward. And, you know, corn ethanol checks so many boxes. I think it's a great story. And I think the opportunity to recognize that it fully fits the climate strategy today it, and it will only get better going forward. And so that's our, our effort of advocation for our corn farmers is so critical to the demand piece for corn, right? And the farmers really need us to help provide that stability, that certainty, so the next generation has a place in agriculture as they desire. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track, no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. 
Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the National Pork Producers Council has launched a new campaign to address the ag labor issue. The campaign is called Year-Round Pork Needs Year-Round Workers, highlighting the role of foreign-born workers across the U.S. pork industry. Here to talk about it is MPPC's Director, uh, or rather Manager of Competition, Labor, and Tax, Jack Dedevo. Jack, thank you for joining us. Tell us about this campaign. What does it entail? Obviously, it highlights the need for year-round labor. How, how will you go about getting that message out? Of course, and, and thank you so much for having me, Mike. So, you know, our industry, like a lot of a lot of parts of the ag industry, is facing facing a, uh, a significant worker shortage right now. I mean, despite well above average wages and benefits, you know, most Americans don't live near our hog farms or harvest facilities, and you know, rural populations continue to decline for a number of demographic reasons, right? And so, as a result, our industry has turned with some success towards foreign-born workers, um, but the shortcomings of the H-2A visa program have left a lot of of openings unfilled. And so what we're trying to do with this campaign is, you know, not only highlight the need for reform, but also highlight the successes that we have had with our current foreign workforce. Yeah, so you've got a compelling story to tell, and this campaign will highlight uh, some of those uh, workers, some of those involved in this, and uh, tell their story, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a number of really good stories um, from, you know, kind of across our industry and uh, across our country of folks that, you know, not only come and, and, and you know, work hard, but achieve excellence within their jobs and, and significant clout and engagement with their communities through volunteering, engagement with, you know, local organizations, uh, folks that all around uh, come and achieve excellence. You know, we talk about this before, but in agriculture, obviously there's a need in, for seasonal crops, um, they're on a very time-sensitive uh, uh, schedule. Crops have to be harvested at a certain time, so it's very time-sensitive and, and critical. That's a need. But in dairy operations, pork operations, uh, this is a, a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job, right? I mean, it, you're, you're needing year-round workers. That's a point of emphasis here. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head, you know, and that's why we're looking at, you know, H-2A. We do have, we do have some visa programs that work really well uh, for highly specialized roles, you know, uh, TNs and, and J-1s. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, I guess uh, more physically demanding labor, less specialized, uh, we don't really have anything because of the seasonal requirement for H-2As. And so when we're looking to fill our roles for that, we're, we're definitely having some trouble um, simply because of the seasonality requirement that comes with H-2A. So what specifically are you asking Congress to do to address this issue? Yeah, so it really comes down to, to modifying the, the H-2A visa. So, you know, as it currently stands, the H-2A has a seasonality requirement, and we, you know, understand the reasonings for the past, you know, having that. But 
you know, for our use um, and the use of the rest of the livestock industry, we need that to be removed. And, and not just, you know, for the sake of uh, having it removed, but removing it without a cap as well, making sure that uh, our companies can meaningfully address the shortages they have. And so Congress has looked at this, um, you know, earlier this, uh, this year, they passed a bill called the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Uh, this is a bill that we, you know, we liked. We, there's a few issues with it. It, it does, um, you know, remove the seasonality requirement, but it places a, a pretty stringent cap on the number of visas available. Um, but we're really happy with it and that it jump-started the conversation. You know, immigration is something that's, that's really hard to talk about, I think, on the Hill in a lot of cases. And so now we're looking to the Senate to see, you know, what kind of bill can be agreed on um, between the two parties, you know, with, uh, with you know, the different agriculture groups in D.C. So hopefully we can find something that will meaningfully address the, the pretty intense shortage that uh, pork producers and, and, quite frankly, the rest of the livestock face. And this certainly is not a new problem. Now, we're seeing a uh, labor shortage in a lot of areas of the economy right now. Uh, businesses cannot uh, find people to work. Uh, so this is happening in a lot of areas now. But this has been an ongoing issue for the ag industry for some time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for, for our industry, the way we've tried to respond is, you know, the way that, you know, the, that makes sense to the market, right? We have um, wages that are extremely high. Um, you know, we've been, I think our estimates are, are just shy of $15 uh, for well, since well before the pandemic. Um, our benefits are fantastic as an industry, but we, we simply cannot fight uh, the demographic issues that, you know, all of agriculture faces when recruiting workers. And that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's no question that, you know, over the last, you know, several years and decades even, folks have turned to programs like H-2A to help fill those gaps. Um, it's just unfortunate that, you know, labor reform like this or immigration reform like this hasn't really happened in about 30 years. We're talking with Jack Dedevo with the National Pork Producers Council. And Jack, again, uh, because I know there's still some people think at this, think about it this way. They think if you're letting uh, people in across the border from, for, from other countries, that's taking jobs away from U.S. citizens. We've not seen the U.S. citizens uh, line up to take these jobs, have we? Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's you know, in our case, it's not a matter of desire. It's a matter of ability. I mean, I think if you talk to any, you know, hog producer, they are very actively engaged with the region, you know, immediately around them and much further uh, to try to get domestic work. But the fact of the matter is, you know, folks, it's, it's been very difficult. You, you can't retain and, and find those workers. And if you do, it's sometimes pretty short term even then. Um, you know, a report that we've got from Iowa State actually shows that, that native-born workers and, and the permanent residents that we do have not – not possible they simply cannot offset the labor needs we have and so we have to look at visa programs it's it's not really a matter of of ability or, or desire in this case and what about a safety and security uh aspect of this jack how do you get workers in from uh other countries um that are not without opening the door to let's say a criminal element coming in or something like that you know i wouldn't be able to possibly comment on, you know, the processes that, you know, USCIS and folks like that have for, you know, vetting their workers. But what I will say is that for the visa programs that we do have and have used over the last, you know, you know several decades, looking at, you know, the J-1 visa, the TN visa um, that draws from all over the world, the TN visa from Mexico and Canada, um, we've seen great, you know, an incredible amount of success. Folks that, you know, it's 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 not a matter of just getting the labor done. It's folks that want to be here and excel at the jobs that they're given. And so we're not 
you know, I, I, you know, I'm not a security expert, but, uh, you know, we've seen great success in, in the, the visa engagement that we've had so far. So in other words, there's a way to do both, right? Bring in workers and, and, and vet them and, and nothing's 100%, but, uh, there, there's a plan that has worked before is what you're saying. It just needs to be improved and, and expanded upon. Yes, that's, that's precisely it. Now let's look at it from a consumer standpoint. Uh, you know, consumers here is talking about an ag labor issue and you need workers on, on pork operations and they're saying, yeah, well, how does that impact me? It certainly does impact consumers, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, you know, for, in our cases, it, it really depends on the type of operation, but, you know, uh, shortages on farm for labor can range from on the low end, uh, maybe about 10 to 15 percent. But on the high end for our industry, it, it reaches 20 to 30 percent. So what you're, you're finding is that operations are not exactly, um, you know, firing all cylinders, right? They're not operating to their maximum capacity. And, you know, simple, you know, economics would dictate that the more supply you have, um, you know, the lower prices can be. And so for us, you know, making sure that uh, our operations can you know, achieve maximum efficiency, maximum output, that directly translates to, uh, to consumer prices. Yeah, we need that food every day, so you need people working every day to uh, help provide it. And again, just to emphasize, this is not only about attracting new workers, it's also about retaining workers that are here, uh, they have experience, those are valuable employees that you want to keep in the business. Yes, yeah, and, you know, on top of, you know, what I, I mentioned, you know, our, our wages are, are well above average, you know, our, our um, benefits are as well. Um, you find that when you go operation to operation, a lot of these are uh, farms, um, most of the, the promotion um, is done from within. Um, you know, our, our industry knows that, you know, more than any other input, and you know, there's a lot of inputs to hog production and the rest of bag. I mean, people are at the core of what makes a good business. And so, you know, when, when our industry finds the right people, want to put them in a position to succeed, uh, whether that's domestic workers or foreign workers. And, and you know, that's, that's crucial to the success that we have had. All right. It's a big, big issue. And again, pork producers putting out a, a new campaign called Year Round Pork Needs Year Round Workers, uh, trying to get that message out, especially to members of Congress to address this issue of, of being able to attract and retain foreign workers for the U.S. pork industry. Jack Dedevo, Manager of Competition, Labor and Tax for the National Pork Producers Council, has been our guest. Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Up next, we preview Husker Harvest Days coming in September and a look at crop conditions across Nebraska next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the ag industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Ag. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Ag. We hope to see you online. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. The June report is now behind us. Traders can again focus on weather, at least for the four-day trading week next week. The following Monday, July 12th, the USDA releases the next WASDE report, which will incorporate the June stocks and acreage numbers into its supply and demand estimates. On the Board of Trade today, September corn trading nine and three quarters lower at 592, the December contract down nine and a fraction at 580. For soybeans, the September contract trading a penny and a fraction higher at 1406 the August contract up a penny at 1430 and a half cent for wheats Chicago wheat September trading nine and a fraction lower at 656 and a half cent Kansas City wheat September down 17 and a half cent at 620 and three quarters Minneapolis spring wheat September down three and three quarters at 833 the July contract down eight and three quarters at 860 and a fraction for livestock cash prices did not change Thursday trading similar to what they have done earlier this week. Trade in the south was steady to $2 lower while sales in the north averaged a dollar higher. Most of cash cattle activity may be finished for this week. The same is probably true for futures as traders may not have much interest in being very active prior to the holiday weekend. Box beef prices continued to plummet with choice cuts down $3.64 and select cuts down $2.34. Box beef prices have fallen to the lowest level since they have been since late April. August live cattle trading 27 cents lower at 123.30. The October contract down a dime at 129.15. For feeders, the August contract $1.12 higher at 157.45. September up 72 at 159.80. In lean hogs, the August contract up 82 at 101.12. The October contract up 62 at 85.50. Markets are closed on Monday to observe the 4th of July holiday. You're listening to AOA. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, today we continue our preview of farm shows coming up. We're especially looking at two big shows coming up later this summer, 
Farm Progress Show, Decatur, Illinois, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. And, and this is what we're focusing on today, Husker Harvest Days, set for Grand Island, Nebraska, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And joining us now is Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, and with us today, T.J. Benz, Agronomic Service Representative for Syngenta, our Husker Harvest Days preview brought to you by Syngenta. Matt, I'll start with you. Now that the calendar has turned to July, these shows uh, uh, seem a lot closer. Obviously, they are closer, but now it seems like eh, we're kind of picking up steam. They don't seem so far off into the future now. Yeah, it's, it's really becoming a reality, and, and the, uh, the inbound email and phone call traffic would, would definitely reflect that, uh, and, and that, that's a good thing, Mike. I mean, we've got a lot of people calling and, and making their plans, whether they're putting together their exhibit or they're looking to book hotel rooms and, and buy advanced tickets. There's uh, just a lot of questions coming in. So we're constantly updating the websites and making sure we're feeding as much good information to folks as we possibly can here as it, it seems like it's just right around the corner and um, it, it, it feels like that too. Yep, so activity uh, just every day now picks up more and more. TJ, thank you for joining us. Uh, when we get into uh, uh, September and we come to Nebraska for Husker Harvest Days, of course we'll be uh, anxious to see what kind of uh, crop year is going on as we uh, get that, that late in the year. So let's. But right now, where are we here in early July as far as crop conditions across the state? Uh, TJ, we're, you're cutting out on us, TJ. We're gonna have to. We're gonna try to uh, reconnect with you and uh, get a stronger line, stronger connection. We're having a little trouble hearing you, so we'll we'll work on that. Meanwhile, Matt, let's come back to you while we try to get reconnected with TJ. Um, as you get ready for Husker Harvest Days, as we have talked about in the past, a little different emphasis from Farm Progress Show, uh, more emphasis on uh, irrigation, more inf- more uh, attention placed on, on livestock and some things like that, right? Yeah, when you get out to the western Corn Belt, uh, you know, you get to get to Grand Isle, Nebraska, you're, you're really, really getting into cattle comp- country. You don't have to go too far west and, and the the, the landscape changes significantly. You know, as you drive across 80, uh, coming from Omaha and headed towards Grand Island, you start to see, uh, you know, on the trip, you see more and more pivots. And by the time you get out there to Hall County, to, to Grand Island, it's all the row crop out there has some kind of irrigation on it, whether it's pivot or it's gravity. Um, you know, the, you, you can you can watch the landscape change. And then if you continue on west, it, it turns into cow-calf country and, and you know, Nebraska is the number one beef state in the country. The the governor is never, you know, never short to, to remind me of that every time I'm, I'm, I'm able to talk to him about Nebraska agriculture. Um, but Husker Harvest Days reflects that. It's, uh, you know, that whole northwest quadrant of the show full of, of livestock breeds, livestock handling equipment, feedlot, feeding, uh, gates, chutes. You know, a, a lot of my friends here, uh, around here in Illinois that are in the beef business, they, they, they love Husker Harvest Days. I finally talked them into going, and now they just love going to Husker Harvest Days because it's just such an amazing beef show. That, coupled with the fact that it's, it's probably, you know, the, it's in the center of 
the largest irrigated row crop anywhere in the country or in the world, maybe for that matter. So a company like companies like Valley and Ranky, TNL, Zomatic, they they put they really pull out the stops because they put together their best exhibits of the year there at, at Husker Harvest Days because it's such a great concentration of their customers. So you know, I would say for anybody that's that's in the beef business or in interested in irrigating, Husker Harvest Days is the show for you. All right. I think we're reconnected with T.J. Benz, Agronomic Service Representative for Syngenta. T.J., thank you for being patient with us and working with us and getting a good line, we hope. Uh, we were talking about crop conditions across Nebraska. What are you seeing? So overall, everything's looking pretty good. We started out dry. Um, certain areas got super wet after that, but I think we're headed down the right track right now and just keeping on moving forward. Yeah, you've had a little bit of everything across the state, right? Uh, you've got dry areas. You've got some areas that have really had quite a bit of moisture. Yeah, and, and it seems to kind of flip this year. Typically, we're worried about the eastern portion being too wet, but they started out really dry, and we're having some issues with that. And the western portion, we uh, started out a little bit dry, but then we got really wet for a while there. So kind of delayed planning a little bit, but I think we're we're on the right track now. Are you seeing any disease issues uh, pop up so far? Yeah, the disease isn't really popping in the corn quite yet. We're getting right there on that edge that you kind of expect to see it any day. With the humidity and moisture we've been receiving lately, it gives us a, a great uh, inoculum load and a, a great environment for that to develop. So I think we need to keep an eye out waiting for it. What about insect pressure? Insects surprisingly have been pretty light up till now, and that's the problem with insects is they're not there until they're there. Um, so it's always a what are we going to see this week type of a, a situation. We are down in Kansas starting to see some spider mites flaring up in areas. So that's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Weed pressure? Uh, weed pressure is continually being a challenge, and I think every uh, farmer and grower on here will agree with that right now, that Palmer amaranth seems to uh, just continually press us a little bit to uh, rethink how we're doing things and be a little bit better how we apply our products and the proper timing. There's always weed pressure, right? <laughs> I think so. I, I, I would love to find a place that there isn't, but I have not found it quite yet. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about crop conditions in a moment. Matt Youngman, as we looked uh, to, ahead to these two shows, Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois, and uh, Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska, Give us an idea where you draw your crowds from for each show. How how big an area? Well, both of the shows, you know, the, both of the shows are national events. And so if I say national events, you know, Farm Progress Show is going to have visitors from 45 to 48 states in a normal year and about 30 countries. Husker Harvest Days is going to be uh, 28 to 32 states. Uh, and about 20 countries coming to Husker Harvest Days. But obviously the concentration, if you, you know, you can look in the parking lot and, and there are pickup trucks driving in that morning from their farm. So, you know, you look at, a, at, at the majority of the crowd, you know, 60, 70% of that crowd is coming from within a three or four hour drive time. And that's kind of how we have laid these shows out over, over the many decades that they have evolved is that, you know, you lay a three-hour drive time around Grand Island and another one around Boone, Iowa, and another one on Decatur, Illinois, and then another one on a show that we don't do, which is Farm Science Review in London, Ohio, 
if you draw if you lay a three hour drive time uh, around those those locations, you pretty much catch the corn belt, and everybody's got a show within three hours of them. And so you know everybody has their show, and if you're in the Western Corn Belt, Husker Harvest Days is your show. Uh, and, and, and that, you know, and, and the, the shows are reflective of the agriculture. When we're in Decatur, Illinois with the Farm Progress show, that's kind of the cash grain desert. You know, it, it's not even worthwhile to put on a cattle handling demonstration. But when you get to Boone, Iowa, there's a lot more livestock out there. So we do a cattle handling demonstration in a much more robust livestock area. And then it's, we kind of supersize that by the time you get, get out to Grand Island and we've got all the breeds and we've got, you know, all the major manufacturers and 13 head shoots and the cattle handling demonstrations. And, and so it, it kind of, it, it, it lends itself by its regional nature to developing as each one of them as their own independent um, identity of a show. Are you having to take any extra precautions because of COVID for Husker Harvest Days? How are you working through that? So we are, but the visitor won't. Uh, I guess I just want to be clear about that. You know, we are doing things. We are doing extra sanitation, and we're um, spacing some things and creating some some areas for folks to, to, to give themselves distance if they'd like. And, you know, places where folks congregate, we're, we're, we're managing that. But I think from the visitor side, they're not going to notice a significant change in the show. Uh, it should be, and, and as things continue to loosen up, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just getting better every day. And, and the, the activity and, and the anticipation of these events is, is really getting palpable in, in the traffic that's coming in front of me. TJ, we talked about the crop conditions, and we've got a long ways to go yet. But when we get together in September in Grand Island for Husker Harvest Days. That'll be a chance for you to talk with farmers about how things went. They'll, they'll have plenty of questions. Why did this happen? Why do you, what, what could we have done differently? It's a, it's a time to reflect and look ahead, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's really a, a it, you know, I can kind of look at that as your grade card. You know, when you're in grade school, they give you a report card. And, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not doing a good job, it gives you some ideas on how to do some things different. Maybe it's just a little bit of a tweak on an application timing or something like that. We're just trying to help people be more successful in what they're doing. Yeah, we'll have a chance to talk about that then. I'll be broadcasting from the Syngenta exhibit at both the uh, Farm Progress Show, and Husker Harvest Days. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we have much more to talk about concerning uh, some of the activities going on uh, before Husker Harvest Days takes place, uh, what happens on the uh, showgrounds, and we'll talk about something that you'll see when you come to Husker Harvest Days and more about crop conditions in the state of Nebraska as well. This Husker Harvest Days preview is brought to you by Syngenta. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. 
Plus, with the way this year's been going. <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. What do you think about this grant program? Well, this is great news. It's always cool to see something that we've engaged on here in Washington and worked on come to fruition and start to bear fruit for our producers around the country. At the height of COVID last year, there was a lot of conversation about processing capacity and how we could empower some of these smaller plants around the country. Yeah, I think that's the key thing here, the key takeaway. You have said that this grant money will help ensure that we're not just making big plants bigger, but expanding capacity in those smaller independent facilities. That's the name of the game. Everything we're working on back here right now is focused on delivering those resources to the ground. At the margins that we're all familiar with, with the big four, if they want to add more capacity, they've got the checkbook to do it. We want to empower other market participants, and and we think that's where the federal government can help through some of these programs, and that's where we're putting our focus. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. 
The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org love. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. It's our Husker Harvest Days preview. Husker Harvest Days coming up in Grand Island, Nebraska, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And our preview brought to you by Syngenta. We're talking with Farm Progress Events Manager Matt Youngman and TJ Benz, Agronomic Service Representative for Syngenta. Matt, uh, you tell me that... Um, you work with the Nebraska State Patrol, uh, allowing them, uh, they use your site there in Grand Island to help train troopers on uh, on using drones, right? And, the, and tell us about that exercise. Yeah, that's it, that's a really cool partnership. Uh, in, in 2018, we did a, a complete renovation of the Husker Harvest Day facility. It was at that time 40 years old, and we did a complete, a complete renovation. Uh, security fence, electrical, uh, and and part of it was, you know, a part of the six and a half million dollars that we spent was pouring concrete on all of the streets and the storm sewer to go with that, uh, so that we can manage the drainage inside the site. Uh, everybody remembers the bridges. If you've ever been to Husker Harvest Days, you remember the bridges and the 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 ditches on the sides of the roads you had to jump over. Well, that all went away, and you know we have a really nice grid pattern of streets inside the show site now and the state patrol nebraska state patrol is switching the way that they document an accident scene they would they they used to have basically survey equipment they would go out and take readings and measure it so that they could recreate it and document it and 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 record it that way now they are moving to utilizing drones to fly a grid pattern to pick up all the details of an accident scene. And actually, there's a lot of upsides to that because they can clear the accident quicker. They get better documentation. And, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of upsides to that. They needed a place to train all the troopers from around the state that would be utilizing this technology. So they reached out to us and asked if they could use our site and and they they have been doing it all summer having kind of these training camps where they set up a mock accident at one of the intersections inside the show site and and then fly it and train the troopers on on how to how to do it and how to record these accident scenes and and they are just uh thrilled with the results they're getting because they're able to do real life training at intersections on paved roads um, without having to stop traffic or, or shut down anything else. So it's, it's just kind of a cool partnership and a great use of the show site in the off-season, you know, because it's, it's, purpose, it's a purpose-built show site just for Husker Harvest Days. We don't do anything else out there, but 
any of these kind of partnerships we can do, we're certainly excited, you know, and, and we get a lot of support from the state patrol anyway in, in handling the crowd and, and everything else it takes to put on the show. So, you know, anything that we can give back there is, is certainly a benefit to everybody involved. Yeah, great partnership. All right. Uh, TJ, what about the, that crop area right around Grand Island? How are things looking there? Um, everything around Grand Island is looking really good today. Um, we're just progressing along. Beans are looking good, starting to hit the reproductive stages. Corn is getting close to tassel. We should be there here real soon. You know, beans in a lot of parts of the uh, Midwest have been off to a slow start. What about there in uh, in that Grand Island area? Same there? Are they kind of catching up now? Yeah, they're kind of catching up now. I mean, there's been a trend to shift to planting beans a little bit sooner in the planting season, a little bit earlier. And this year was probably one of those years that you're not seeing the huge benefits just because we stayed so cool that everything was very, very slow in its early development. So it's just a little bit behind where we typically are, but I think we're going to get some heat next week and we'll start catching up a little bit. But yeah, going we're, in, we're happy going to have in, cooler weather. Yeah, going into the 4th of July weekend, what's your emphasis now? What are you focused on as you work with farmers? So depending on the area, a lot of it is starting to focus on tassel fungicide applications. We're, we're getting right there to that point in time where we're going to be able to maximize our return on investment with our application timing, so making sure that everybody's ready for that as soon as we start getting some tassels out. All right. And Matt, I know one of the... Uh, the technology features at the Husker Harvest Days, there'll be a big focus on autonomy. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're, we're excited uh, to have Raven uh, bring their Omni platform, both of their tools on the Omni platform, out to Husker Harvest Days, and they're going to be running all day. Uh, you know, that autonomy is becoming a bigger and bigger thing with, with more and more companies actually coming to market with, with solutions. And, you know, it's not, a, it's not a thing where you get in a cab and experience it because it's running without an operator. Uh, it's more of a stand there and watch it happen and, and look, take, a, take a look at the future. So, you know, we're really excited to have autonomy on display at Husker Harvest Days this year. Raven is bringing uh, everything that at, at Farm Progress Show is loading up uh, with the rest of us and coming out to Grand Island for, for the middle of September to, to put on the display there. So it, it's it's really exciting uh, for, for growers to, to have the opportunity to see that in person because it's, you know, that, that technology is coming at us and it's there are going to be more and more players in that field as we go forward. So, so kind of fun to be right here on, on the cutting edge of it and get a look at it in person. And what do you have as far as field demonstrations at Husker? Everything, that, you know, we're going to be running everything we normally do, which at Husker is, is quite a bit. You know, we'll have harvesting demonstrations twice a day. In between there out in the field, we'll have the tillage demonstrations. And then in the afternoon, we will mow, rake, and bale hay, as well as having hay handling demonstrations. You take all of that and put it alongside the cattle handling demonstrations, which, you know, we're, we have 13 head shoots, and we have 13 head shoots because we can't fit 14. It is full with a waiting list to get head shoots into that demonstration. Uh, you know, there is, there is, there's a day's worth of activity just watching the demonstrations before you ever go to the Syngenta tent or, better yet, the Syngenta Square beer garden uh, to, to enjoy your day at Husker Harvest Days. All right, TJ, we head into the critical time for the crop. Uh, so far, so good. You tell us in Nebraska, but uh, long ways to go before it's in the bin, right? 
so far so good, but we're doing what we can to get it in the bin. And that's a good Very thing good. about Husker Harvest Days is we know we're on the downhill slide. <laughs> T.J. Benz, Agronomic Service Representative for Syngenta, Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, T.J., thank you both. Appreciate it. We'll talk again Thanks soon. A lot. And again, Husker Harvest Day is coming up September 14th, 15th, and 16th in Grand Island, Nebraska. Our Farm, Progr- our Farm Progress and Husker Harvest Day's preview brought to you by Syngenta. Have a safe holiday weekend, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.